welcome all of you to the Grace Church at Franklin Worship today, here, August the 22nd, 2021. And uh, we want to ask you to be praying for our services and for the church here, and indeed for our nation. We're still undergoing a lot of the coronavirus. Uh, some very well-known people have passed away this week as a result of that. Uh, Phil Valentine, Tom T. Hall, uh, two people who have passed away. Phil Valentine from the coronavirus. And we want to be praying for their families. The Word of God says, Psalm 111, Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endureth forever. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Let us now praise the Lord, and Joshua will lead us in those praises. And good morning to everybody joining us over the internet. We're singing number 20 in the hymnal, We Praise Thee, O God, Our Redeemer. Can you stand with me? We praise Thee, O God, Our Redeemer. Number 20. We praise Thee, O God, Our Redeemer, Creator, in grateful devotion, our tribute we bring. seated. We'll have some announcements and then we'll sing some more. Well, good morning. It's good to see each and every one of you. I saw some smiles here and there, but not everybody's smiling. When we started our Sunday school lesson this morning, the first words in the verse we looked at said, Sing unto the Lord. So when we sing, let's sing unto the Lord. Let's rejoice. Let's be glad. Our God has redeemed us. Let us be glad and rejoice in him. I'm sorry. I get like that sometimes, and I'm not even up here to do that. I'm up here to make some announcements. 
And so like to welcome all of you. Uh, like to welcome those who are watching over the internet. And we have several prayer requests. We want to remember that there are several uh, local counties that were hit by uh, local flooding yesterday. Uh, there was flooding in Dixon County, Hickman, Houston, Humphreys. And these have resulted in at least 10 known deaths and significant personal and public property damage. So let's pray for all those that were included or touched and suffered loss because of those uh, rainstorms. Also want to continue to pray for healing for a number of people who were ill. Want to remember Peggy Smith's daughter, Leslie, who's making slow progress in recovery. Want to remember Ed Adamowitz's daughter, Julie, and her husband, Robbie. Also want to remember our sister, Joyce Graves, She's been absent for a couple of weeks, but it's because the whole family's sick. They're down in Columbia. She's been sick. Her husband, Richard, has been sick. And her son, John, has been sick. I think her husband actually had to go to the hospital. So let's remember that family. Then I also want to remember uh, Dale Hazelwood's dad, Lonnie, and his nephew, Seth, who have been sick. Uh, Reagan's friend Kate, who is now home from the hospital and improving daily, but let's remember them. Also want to remember the reason I'm up here, our brother Todd Horton has been sick for a number of weeks. He uh, wasn't with us last week nor this week, so let's continue to uplift him. It says that he appreciates your continued prayers on his behalf. He has improved, but not yet fully recovered. So he's had various tests that have been performed and all have come back with good results for which he is thankful, but hasn't given a clue as to why he's been sick. So let's remember him. I also want to remember our sister, Judy LaPetri, who recently had a pacemaker installed. So let's remember her. She is at home and doing well. Uh, I don't think our sister Shirley Murphy is with us today, but let's remember her. She's been uh, sick. Also want to continue to remember our brother Wally Hatton, who, uh, whose condition has not changed, but we want to remember him and his wife Mary as she ministers to him. Also want to remember Carl Perry's brother, Bobby, who was battling cancer and uh, want to pray for Kevin Hethcock, that's Betty Hethcock's son, who has upcoming eye surgery. He's already had uh, surgery on the right eye, and he has surgery coming up for the left eye. So let's remember him. Also want to continue to pray for Ted Britton. Um, as he recovers from a recent double bypass procedure. And uh, also for Pat Jackson, George Bishop. Uh, Jaya McCarthy and uh, Carolyn Batt, <clears throat> who recently suffered a fall injuring her back and fractured two ribs. So remember her. And then also we want to remember um, Howie Smith as he is away serving in the military. And his mom just was telling me this morning that he and a bunkmate have the virus. So let's remember them as they have to battle that as well. 
You know, men are not good patients to begin with, but when we're not at home for mom to take care of us, it's really bad. <laughs> I say mom, I'm talking about our, the mom of our wives, you know, our wife as well as our mother. Anyway, <clears throat> also uh, have a note here I'd like to share with you. It says, please pray, this is from, um, don't tell me, I know your name, Beth. This is from Beth Moran. She says, please pray for my niece, Laura Jackson. She has stage four breast cancer. Praise the Lord that he has saved her, and she has told me that she is Psalm 91 equipped. So that's, that's good news. So let's uh, be in prayer for her and that. And then as a reminder, we always uh, would remind you that if you want to worship the Lord with uh, an offering or a gift, you may do that by placing it in the little box out on the table in the front foyer. So. All right, everybody, good morning to you all again. And to anybody who's just joining us by the internet, we want to say good morning and welcome to you. We're going to keep singing here 262 in the hymnal, <clears throat> Trusting Jesus. Simply trusting every day, trusting through a stormy way, even when my faith is small, trusting Jesus, that is all, trusting as the moments fly, trusting as the days go by, trusting Him whatever befall, trusting Jesus, that is all. Brightly doth His Spirit shine into this poor heart of mine. While He leads, I cannot fall. Trusting Jesus, that is all. Trusting as the moments fly, trusting as the days go by. Trusting Him, whate'er befall, trusting Jesus, that is all. Singing, if my way is clear, praying, if my path be drear, if in danger for Him I'll call, trusting Jesus, that is all. Trusting as the moments fly, Trusting as the days go by, trusting Him whate'er befall, trusting Jesus, that is all. Trusting Him while life shall last, trusting Him till earth be past, till within the jasper wall, trusting Jesus, that is all. Trusting as the moments fly, trusting as the days go by, trusting Him whate'er befall, trusting Jesus, that is all. Amen. I read out of uh, this morning, I read an excerpt from today, and um, I'm drawing a blank on the name. What's that devotional book that Spurgeon wrote, Charles? 
morning and evening. Thank you. Yeah, he. Uh, I was reading in that, and today's was talking about just that very thing. When we're when we're near to Jesus, we are the heart filled with grace. He says at peace, but when we inch further and further away, we just become anxious and can't be at peace with anything. So. Trusting Jesus, that's all we've got to do. Glorious freedom. When we do that, we got freedom, don't we? Glorious freedom. Let's sing that this morning. <clears throat> I'll leave you <clears throat> seated. That way you can stand up and Brother Bill and then come <laughs> Once I was bound by sin's galling fetters, chained like a slave, Struggled in vain, but I received a glorious freedom when Jesus broke my fetters in twain. Glorious freedom, wonderful freedom, no more in chains of sin I repine. Jesus the glorious emancipator. We can say it again, though, now and forever. <laughs> Isn't that a good uh, visual? Freedom in Christ, our emancipator. We, we look over there on the news stories over in Afghanistan, and you see terrorists planting a flag on top of a U.S. embassy. But you know what? 
on the temple of the Holy Spirit when Jesus Christ emancipates it, when he plants his flag there. There's no more taken over by the terrorists of hell. Isn't that good? <laughs> We're emancipated forever. <laughs> okay, I think that Brother Bill and Lynn, I think it's time for them. You know, I was thinking about uh, that this morning also, and uh, I thought of several things. I, I see those pictures on television of folks trying to get, in a, get themselves in position to get on one of those planes out of there. And I thought, you know, <clears throat> I feel that at least we're in some way in the beginning of the last days. And I would say you better get on board. And I would say this, although the Lord has planted his flag, it's like you had the U.S. Embassy, but you have the enemy all around the enemy, around the embassy, trying to attack the embassy, trying to get people who may be hiding in the embassy. So the Lord cannot, he can't take over what Christ has purchased, but he can surely give you a lot of trouble. So you need to keep your eye on him. Always be looking to him. We're going to sing this old song. We'll let you stay seated on this one. Just a closer walk with me.
Wow. <laughs> Y'all been eating sauerkraut this morning. Come on. <laughs> All right, we're going to get you to stand up. Let me tell you something while you're standing up. I mentioned this a few minutes ago. Besides all of those prayer requests that uh, Brother Joe brought to our minds, of course, we have others. We can't mention them all. I've often said if we had a church of a 1,000 people, I don't know what we'd do with those prayer requests. we just have to ask them to pray for the people that are sick. And let's pray for those who are not with us today. Let's remember them. But this past week here in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, Tom T. Hall, the great songwriter, is gone from this world, and Phil Valentine, the radio talk show host, he's gone also, and he died from the coronavirus. And then I got a phone call yesterday, and a dear friend of mine that he was a three or four years younger than I am, and he was a great singer, a great vocalist. His name was Eddie Middleton. And I knew Eddie since the time he was a little boy, knew his father, and he passed away yesterday uh, just out of Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. So I want you to remember those, those families, the Tom T. Hall family, Phil Valentine family, and the Eddie Middleton family. And Eddie was a strong believer in the Lord. He was in the original group, uh, New Song. If any of you young people are familiar with New Song, he was in that original group of New Song and uh, had a good, strong profession of faith. You know what? Uh, when Eddie, before he died, he wrote us a text to Bill, probably more to Bill than me, but he told us, he said, I have... Uh, hmm? Hold that microphone up there where they can hear you. They can okay. hear me. <laughs> and they, uh, he told us that he had double pneumonia. He's been in the hospital for quite a while with some infection in his body. And they had told him that he had the virus. And he told us, he said, I will be in the presence of the Lord in about two days. He said, so I just want to tell y'all how much you meant to me and that we love you and, and I'll see you in glory. That's really a hope, isn't it? That's a hope. Yeah. Loved it. Loved and it. he said in that text that he knew that his time here was finished. He said, I have double pneumonia in both my lungs. And maybe he had the coronavirus, I don't know. So that's the way to leave, folks. The way to leave is looking to the Lord Jesus Christ and having him as your hope. So let's sing this old song. All right. I'm so glad that Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad that Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad that Jesus lifted me. Singing glory, hallelujah, Jesus lifted me. Come on, let us hear you. I'm so glad that Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad that Jesus lifted me. I'm so
Blessed name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we lift up to you. First of all, ourselves, Lord, we need your grace. We need your mercy. We need your forgiveness. We need, Lord, for you to minister to us by your spirit. We thank you, Lord, for your word by which we learn of your will. We pray that you'll give us the strength that we might walk therein. We do lift up to you today our nation. Lord, we know that our nation is in trouble. We're in trouble with our enemies because we're in trouble with you. This nation has forgotten the God that has established it, the God that has preserved it, the God that has raised it up and made it the utmost nation among all the nations of the earth. We read in your word that all the nations that forget God should be turned into hell. Turn us again, O Lord. Turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers and the mothers to you, O Lord. Pray that you'll bless the word wherever it is taught today in power, in much assurance, and in the Holy Ghost. We ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask it for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to give you an option because I mistakenly told you to have a seat. <laughs> if you want to raise your hands while you're seated, you can do that. If you want to stand together, you can do that. We're going to ask the Lord to help us this morning. If I can get this microphone on here. There it is. We always like to ask the Lord to help us when we are trying to worship Him. Father, I stretch my hands to Thee, no other help 
The text this morning is again in Genesis chapter 37, bringing you a series of studies on the life of Joseph. And today will be the third study on these dreams that Joseph had. Genesis chapter 37, and I'll make it a short reading. It says in verse 5, And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren. And they hated him yet the more. And he said, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. May the Lord add his blessings on the reading of his word, and let God's people say praise the Lord. You may be seated. Now it is my habit to review, because I don't always remember who might have been here in our last study. As I said, this is our seventh study on this general theme, the story of Joseph, and we've had two studies on the dreams of Joseph, and today is part three. We've learned a lot about dreams. We all dream. Though we may not remember those dreams, the average dream lasts about 5 to 20 minutes. If you live a normal lifespan, you'll probably dream a total of 6 years in your lifespan. Dreaming, of course, is equivalent to virtual reality. That means that when you're dreaming, whatever is real in your dream is real to you. And uh, so you might, uh, you might be running and moving, your heartbeat might speed up, uh, your breathing might be increased, all kinds of things can happen when you're dreaming. We've all seen these dogs dreaming, I have at least, and I've seen them uh, whining and muttering and barking and moving their feet when they're, when they're dreaming. I don't know, I suppose cats dream, but <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know what the characteristics would be about a cat Dreaming. Then the, the classified dreams. You have normal dreams, lucid dreams. That's interesting. A lucid dream is a, a dream when you're dreaming and you know you're dreaming. That's a lucid dream. And then there are false awakening dreams when you dream that you're awake and you're already doing your chores or you're already doing things and you, then you wake up and you find that you were not awake. And of course, there are daydreams. And there are nightmares. In the Bible, there are four categories of dreams. When God gave dreams in the Scriptures, He gave them for specific reasons. He gave them, number one, to warn people. We have that uh, example uh, of Abimelech in Genesis chapter 20. He was warned to give Sarah back to Abraham. You read in Genesis 31 of Laban, who was warned not to speak either good or bad to Jacob. The second category is to foretell the future. That's what we have here in Genesis 37. God gives Joseph a dream that tells the future for Joseph and for, of course, eventually for the entire nation of Israel. The third category, God gave dreams to encourage people and to comfort people. When Joseph 
or Jacob rather, when Jacob had to leave home because he had stolen the birthright or tricked his father, somebody is out there trying to get in. Would somebody go out there and let folks in? I think the doors are locked. Thank you. Uh, when, when, when Jacob was leaving because of fear of his brother Esau, because he had tricked his dad Isaac into blessing him, giving him the birthright blessing, he was lonely, he was afraid, he was by himself, and he stopped in the middle of a place, nobody was there, and he spent the night there and put his head on a rock, and that's where he had that dream about that ladder, and the angels of God going up and down on the ladder, and the Lord at the top of the ladder saying, I'll bless you, I'll help you, I'll strengthen you. So that was a dream to encourage him and to comfort him. And then there's a dream of promising prosperity. And Jacob uh, was also given that dream in Genesis chapter 31. So you have those four categories, to warn, to foretell the future, to encourage and comfort, and to promise prosperity. Now, Bible dreams were significant because they were given by God at specific times for specific reasons. You read in Genesis 15 that Abraham had a dream when God was making a covenant with him. He made a covenant with him, and he told Abraham what would happen to his ancestors. He told him that they're going to be down in Egypt for over 400 years. That's found in Genesis chapter 15. That was given to Abraham for a specific reason, and he showed him the future of the nation that would come forth out of Abraham. Gideon was given a dream, but not his own dream. God gave his enemy a dream. Had Gideon slip into the camp, and overhear this man discussing the dream that he dreamed with his friend. And the dream was that Gideon was going to conquer the Midianites. This guy was a Midianite. God gave a dream to a Midianite. And the meaning of the dream was, you better get out of Midian because, God, because God's going to give the victory to a fellow named Gideon in Israel. Job says that God frightened him by dreams, Job 7, 14. Daniel was shown the meaning of the dreams of others when he interpreted the dreams for the king and for others, and he was given dreams that showed the future of the world. The book of Revelation and the book of Daniel go hand in glove together. He's shown the future of the world. And we know that God delivered Joseph from prison, and he made him the governor of Egypt through the dream that he gave to the Pharaoh. That's in Genesis chapter 41. So you have a lot about dreams. And I think I mentioned to you in our last study that the last dream given to somebody was in the New Testament book of Matthew, and that was Joseph, who was the husband of Mary the mother of our Lord. He was thinking about putting Mary away because she was pregnant and he knew the baby was not his baby and he was thinking about putting her away and the Lord came to him in a dream and said, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take into thee Mary thy wife for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. 
and he arose from his sleep, the scripture says, and he took Mary as his wife. That's the last dream given in the Bible. Now, the communication, here's what I want you to do right now. You might need to look in the uh, front of your Bible. I might even have to do that. I want you to find the book of Joel, J-O-E-L, Joel. Now, if you can find the book of Psalms and then go forward a a little ways, you'll come to to Joel. Joel is one of the minor prophets uh, in the Old Testament, and you'll find it over there in those minor prophets. Joel, I want you to like for you to find chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. Now I'm rehashing some things that I said last week because at least in my opinion I rushed through some of those things. I want to make sure you get those. I want to make sure you get them down in your mind and that you remember this. All of us dream. We all have dreams. But what I want you to understand is that if you have a dream and you think God is talking to you, okay, whatever He shows you or tells you or whatever truth He reveals to you can always be supported by the written Word of God. Always remember that. People have lots of questions about dreams, and you know the devil can give you a dream. And so what I want you to add, your own flesh, you know, you can watch something at night, you can watch something on the television or hear some news. When I heard that news yesterday about Eddie Middleton, uh, two or three times last night during the night, I don't know if I was uh, asleep or awake, I was thinking about Eddie Middleton. He's an old, old friend of mine, and he could really sing. He had two or three hits. Uh, they used to play them here in Nashville. You remember the Easy Listening Station? I don't know what happened to it. I think it's gone now. But he had some songs on there that were hits. He could really, he was really a crooner. And he's the type guy that could sing any kind of song, any, any type of song. And, uh, and he could even make himself sound like that person if you wanted, wanted him to. He was really, really good. Great big tall guy. But in the last 10, 15 years of his life, he didn't take care of himself. And he was grossly overweight, big guy. He got a scholarship uh, to play either baseball or football. He was a quarterback. He was also a great baseball player. And he let all of this weight get on him. He probably was easily 75, 100 pounds overweight. And all of that plays against you when you get sick. One of the best things you can do right now with this coronavirus is to get weight off of you and take the things that strengthen your immune system. Because that's really what you have to have to fight off anything from a cold to coronavirus. Then make up your minds. I know I grew up, I never felt that I had finished a meal unless I had something sweet. My mother always made cakes and pies, and uh, we'd have biscuits with syrup on it after breakfast, and my mother would make me, if you can believe this, I can't even believe it myself now, she would make me chocolate syrup, chocolate syrup in the morning, and I would take toast. She'd make a half a dozen slices of toast 
And I'd take that toast and pour that chocolate syrup on there and eat, eat that up with about a half a gallon of milk. Now, I grew up, and that was an addiction to me. You, do you know that people who have a problem drinking, did you know that what they really are addicted to is sugar? If you have a person or a friend or a family member that has a drinking problem, you tell them that they're addicted to sugar, and they'll gain weight. They may have to eat some pies and cakes in a while, but it'll help them not to take a drink, and then they'll have to work on the weight problem later. Sugar is an addiction thing. I got a book. I'll loan it to any of you. I'm, not, I'm a long way from Joel chapter 2 right now. But I, I've got a book that I'll loan you that I read 25, 35 years ago. It's called Sugar Blues. And if you read that book or you get it on the Internet, I guarantee you, you'll cut back on your sugar. It is unbelievable. Probably we are more, more people are addicted to sugar than anything else, even to drugs. Joel's chapter Two. Now, don't forget what I've said, and it's this. I'm going to sum it up with this statement. The communication of God by dreams to his people ended with the giving of the New Testament. I want you to get that in your mind, and I'm going to try to show you that from Scripture. This is a teaching. If there's a difference between preaching and teaching, I want to teach you this morning. Joel chapter 2, this is what it says in verse 28. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And it shall come to pass. Now, by the way, if you can't find it, it's up on the board for you. There it is on the screen. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. Now, in the past, according, and it's all summed up right here in Joel chapter 2, there were three means of divine communication, three means that God used to communicate His will to His prophets and to his people. They were dreams and visions and then prophecy. Dreams, visions, and prophecies, the three means of divine communication. Now, I want you to look at that verse, and we're going to put these verses up on the board. Let's put verse 28 up on the board. Now, you say, it says, and it shall come to pass afterward. Now, that's a King James Version translation, and afterward, you check me out, means in the last days. Now, I'm going to show you that. This verse is repeated, by the way. We're going to turn to it in just a moment in Acts chapter 2, the book of Acts chapter 2. In the last days. So, first of all, this is an event for the last days. Secondly, he says in verse 28, 
I will pour out my spirit, notice this now, upon all flesh, not just Israel, not just Israel, but upon the Gentile nations as well. I'll pour out of my spirit on all flesh. That's in the last days. Up to that point in the last days, God gave his spirit to his prophets once we're all in Israel and Judah. Okay? Thirdly, in verse 28, it says, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Didn't Mary, the mother of our Lord, prophesy? She did. You can read her prophecy when she said, when she found out that God was going to use her to bring the Messiah into the world, she uttered a prophecy. And Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, also uttered a prophecy. And Anna, who could always be found in the temple, Luke chapter 2, she uttered a prophecy. And then notice he says this in verse 28. He says that your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old man shall dream dreams, your young man shall see visions. But right at the first thing he says, I will pour out of my spirit. He says there's going to be a pouring out, not just a few drops as it was under the law. Under the law, there wasn't a pouring out of his spirit. There was just some little drips and drops every once in a while. And men, uh, individuals might have had the spirit, but the whole nation of Israel and people everywhere and sons and daughters and all of that, all flesh, no such thing. You understand what I'm saying now? I will pour out. This is going to be an outpouring, not just a few dribbles here and a few dribbles there. All right, now, let's look at verse 28 still. Old men shall dream dreams, and young men shall see visions. Now, I'll try to substantiate this, but what are the Gospels and the Epistles of the New Testament but the dreams and the visions of the young men and the old men, and what is it but the spirit of prophecy? Now, I want you to listen to this. I'm going to tell you where it is. It's found in the book of Revelation chapter 19. I want you to listen to this now. Revelation chapter 19. The Spirit of the Lord said to John, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And John said, I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said to me, See that you do it not. Don't worship me. I am your fellow servant and your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Now listen carefully now. Worship God. Listen to this last phrase. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That's in your Bible. Revelation chapter 19, verses 9 and 10. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of a prophecy. So he said, old men are going to dream dreams, young men are going to have uh, visions, and he says, and this prophecy, all of these prophecies are going to be fulfilled. And the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, Revelation 19. Now, we know what a dream is, but what is a vision? Well, a vision is a dream with your eyes wide open. That's what a vision is. 
a dream with your eyes wide open, such as John when he was on the island of Patmos, and his eyes were wide open, and he was given the revelation of the book of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ, once we call the book of Revelation. A vision is something like Ananias had in Acts chapter 9 when the Lord spoke to Ananias and told him to go to a certain place and to recover the sight of Saul of Tarsus and to baptize him. said Ananias' eyes were open. That's in Acts chapter 9. A vision is when Paul, for example, he said, I saw a man, I saw a man, my eyes were open, but I saw a man in Macedonia. He was praying about where he was to go next. The Apostle Paul, where should I go next, Lord? And he said, I saw a man from Macedonia and said, come over here and help us. Come over here and help us. And he went that way, didn't he, Brother Joe? He went toward Macedonia. So that's what a vision is. A vision is like a dream with your eyes open. Now, let's look at verse 29. Verse 29, that will be on the board for you too. He said, I'm going to pour out of my spirit on all flesh, including servants and handmaidens. What is the significance of that? Well, I'm not just going to give my spirit to a select few. I'm not just going to give my spirit to important people, but I'm going to also bless the common man and the common woman by pouring out my spirit upon the masses. Okay? Then in verse 30, verse 30, I'm going to show wonders in the heavens and in the earth. Now consider the wonders of heaven at the birth of Christ. A star signaled the long-awaited Messiah. A choir of angels sang glory to God in the highest. Wise men came from a foreign nation looking for the new king. Then he says, blood, fire, and smoke. And I believe this is from the viewpoint of the enemies of Christ. At his birth, blood was shed. Thousands of infants were killed at his, uh, when, uh, because of his uh, birth. And, and then when he, when he died at his death, the sun was darkened. And a few years later, in 70 A.D., Israel was overthrown and Jerusalem was destroyed. I believe this thing of the moon turning to blood refers to the constant shedding of blood because of Christ. Millions and millions and millions of people have died just because they're Christians. And it's going to get worse. And it's going to come to the shores of America. It's going to come to the shores of America. You better start praying. If you hadn't been praying, you better start praying. If you're going to learn something about the Lord, you better read it and learn about it now. It's going to come to the shores of America. Been saying this for years and years, and it's going to happen, and we're going to have to be ready when it does come. And then he says in uh, uh, verse 31, I think we have verse 31, the sun should be turned to darkness, the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. This great and terrible day of the Lord refers to his second coming, to judge the world in righteousness. And then here's the proof to me, this is the proof that this prophecy is limited to what we call the New Testament and the New Covenant. 
It's verse 32. Joel chapter 2, verse 32. Look at that verse. It shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. All right, now, turn in your Bibles to the New Testament book of Romans for a moment. I mean, then we'll, we'll end up with Acts 2 in a few minutes. Romans, the book of Romans chapter 10. The book of Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Joel says... It shall come to pass in these last days that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What do we have in Romans chapter 10? We have those very words repeated by Paul. Romans chapter 10. In fact, he says this several different times in this 10th chapter. He says in Romans 10, verse 13, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, you might have in your Bible a note right there by that verse, and it'll say Joel chapter 2, verse 32. You see, this prophecy of Joel is for the time that we live in. The time when the Messiah would be revealed, would come to this earth, and He has come, and His name is Jesus. When we say Jesus Christ, Christ is from the Greek Christos. Hamashiach is from the Hebrew Messiah. They both mean the same thing. They mean the one who is anointed. You know, David said in Psalm 23, Thou anointest my head with oil. The anointed one, that's what the meaning of Messiah is, or the Christ, the Christ, the Messiah. So when we say Jesus Christ, we're saying Jesus, the anointed one. Jesus, the Messiah. His name is Jesus. His title is Christ. He's Messiah. Nod your head if you understand that. Do you understand? Okay. Now, This whole chapter here is about calling on the name of the Lord. He starts out by saying, my desire for Israel is that they might be saved. They got a zeal for God, he says in verse 2. They're zealous, but they don't have the right knowledge. It's not according to knowledge. What's their problem? Their problem is they're ignorant of God's righteousness, verse 3. They don't understand that God is so holy that praying your prayers, giving your money, being at temple worship, observing Passover and the Day of Atonement and all that, that won't get the job done. He is so holy that He's going to require your death. And it's going to be not just the death of your body, it's going to be your eternal death because you've sinned against an eternal God. And so Jesus comes into the world and He comes as a man. The Scripture emphasizes that He didn't come as an angel, but He came as a man with flesh and blood to be a representative man. See, Adam, the first man, was a representative man. And Jesus is called in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, He's called the last Adam. He's a representative man. 
Everybody who was in the first Adam sinned. The whole human race was in Adam. Theologians call that the original sin. I, I don't think you have to give those uh, categories, but when Adam sinned, everything and everybody and all that was in, within him sinned. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died for a people, and all of the people who were in him died when he died. And when, they were, when he was buried, they were buried. And when he came out of the grave, they came out of the grave. We are saved through our representative man, through the Lord Jesus, who's the last Adam. We fell in the representative Adam in the Garden of Eden. We are redeemed in the representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now, we are all familiar with this verse. You can turn to Acts chapter 2 if you want to, but I'm going to quote a verse for you while you're turning over there. And it's a verse that you've heard many times here, and it's found in the book of Philippians, chapter 2. And this is what he says. I'm going to give you the significance of it now. In Philippians chapter 2, he says, speaking of Jesus, he says, God has highly exalted him. That's God the Father, has highly exalted him. And he's given him a name, a name which is above every name. There's a, a friend of ours, he's always making this comment. He is talk about the, the man upstairs. You ever heard that? And when Lynn is with him and he says the man upstairs, she said, you know, he has a name. He has a name. His name is Jesus. He's not just the man upstairs. His name is Jesus. And this is what it says here in Philippians chapter 2. God has highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus. Now, I've said this to probably you're tired of hearing it, but you can talk about God all day long. You can talk about God to a Hindu, God to a Muslim, God to a Shiite, or God to a Sunni. You can talk about God to the, uh, to the Buddhist, and you won't have any problem whatsoever because God is a non-defined name or, per, or, or title. God. Maybe you envision God to be the universe. Maybe you're like Oprah. She says everything in the universe is God, and therefore she is God. So when you say God, fine. Everybody just defines God in their mind to be what they understand God to be. But when you say Jesus, when you say Jesus, you divide the waters. When you say Jesus, and at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every knee in heaven, every knee in the earth, every knee under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. In the Joel passage, when he says, Whosoever, it shall come to pass in the last days that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, Lord there is Jehovah or Yahweh. 
But that name is applied to Jesus in Philippians 2 that I just read to you, verses 9 through 11. Jesus is Eesus, Eesus. You know what Eesus means? It means Jehovah is salvation. Every time you say Jesus, you're saying Jehovah is salvation. You see, when you read your Bible in the Old Testament, and it has capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's the name of God, but it's just translated Lord because they're not sure what the name of God is. I've told you this before, but let me tell you again, you know, repetition is the art of learning. You go over and over and over and over something, and that's where you learn something. The old languages, the old Hebrew language, was written without any vowels, and you cannot pronounce a name without the vowels. I take Brother Moran here. His name is J-O-E-L, Joel. Okay? Now, the two vowels are what? O and E. Some of you in your English, you remember the vowels A, E, I, O, U, and sometimes Y. That was the, that was the, 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 the rule in the English class. A, E, I, O, U, sometimes Y. Now, if I said his name was J-L, I leave out the O and the E, what's his name? If you weren't familiar with the English language, you would not be able to figure out what his name is. You, you follow me? If I said, if I said Linda, L-I-N-D-A, okay, what are the vowels in there? I and A. So you got L-N-D. Now pronounce that for me. You can't pronounce L-N-D, but when you, add, when you add the I and the A, you can. You understand me? So the old language was written without the vowels, and nobody knows what the name of God is. And God did it that way on purpose so nobody can pronounce it because when you pronounce it, you corrupt it. He's not a God that you can find sitting over here in an idol or sitting back there. He's the invisible God. He's the invisible God who's everywhere with all of his being at the same time. He's the God who knows all things. He's omniscient. There's nothing possible, nothing probable that he doesn't know. He knows the past. He knows the present. He knows the future. That's what prophecy is. Prophecy is God telling us what's going to happen before it happens. And we read, we just go along. We don't pay any attention to it. And now it's happening. Those people over there in Afghanistan... They've known for weeks and weeks and weeks that as soon as the United States pulled their military out, that the Taliban and Al-Qaeda and all the rest of them are going to move in. They've known that. What have they done? They just sat there. And now they're trying to get into that airport so they can get out. And that's the way it's going to be in the day when the Lord brings judgment in this nation. That's going to way it's going to be in the day when the Lord returns from heaven. There are going to be people clamoring then, hiding in the rocks and in the mountains, as according to the book of Revelation, saying, Hide us from the face of him that sits upon the throne. 
My dear friends, prepare now to meet your God. Prepare now to see Him. Because we are all going to see Him. So this person named in Philippians chapter 2 called Jesus, he takes the place in Romans 10, he takes the place of the one called Jehovah or Yahweh or the great I Am, the God of Israel in all of the prophets. So Jesus is the God of Israel come into flesh. You know what we read in John's Gospel chapter 1? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and nothing was made that was made that wasn't made by, by Him. And then in verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. All right, are you in the book of Acts? Acts chapter 2. And verse 15, these are not drunken, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. Translation, 9 o'clock in the morning. The day began at 6. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And I quote him, it shall come to pass in the last days. See, Joel says afterward, he translates it, last days Saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit. And they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He quotes Joel and he applies it to Jesus. And he says, what Joel said has come to pass in the coming of the Messiah in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And he goes on to explain this in the following verses. He says, look, you've, you've heard of Jesus of Nazareth, verse 22, a man who is approved of God. How do you know he was? Because he did miracles and wonders and signs. And he said, I want you to know that he didn't come into the world accidentally, he didn't live accidentally, and he didn't die accidentally. It was determined, verse 3, 23, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God you have taken, and by wicked hands am crucified and slain. But God raised him up, loosing the pains of death, because it wasn't possible that he should be held by death. Why wasn't it possible for death to hold him? Because he had no sin that was personal. Death is a result of sin. That's why we all get old and die. But Jesus had no sin. It wasn't possible for death to hold him. But the sin he had was sin that was charged to his account. We call it imputed sin. And he took our sins and he died for our sins. And that's why I say when he died, we died. 
When, we, when he was buried, we were buried. When he rose again, we rose again. And Ephesians says, now we sit in heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1. So he goes on and he, he proves this by David. Uh, he talks about what David said. He says, uh, verse 29, we can't cover all this this morning. Brethren, let me speak to you of the patriarch David. He's dead and buried. His, his grave is with us today. But he was a prophet, verse 30, and he knew that God had sworn with an oath to him that out of the fruit of his loins, that he is out of his family, in his family line, according to the flesh, he'd raise up Christ to sit on the throne. So it's when, when David wrote and said, I'll not see corruption and all that, he said, he said he was talking about Jesus, verse 31 and 32. And he says, this Jesus has been exalted now, verse 33. He's exalted by the right hand of God. And he says, you must do business with him. Verse 36 let all the house of Israel know for sure that God has made that same Jesus whom you crucified. He's made him Lord, and he's made him Messiah. He's made him Christ. You see, all of this is a fulfillment of Joel chapter 2. Now, who gave these visions, the visions that they had, the dreams that they had? Who moved men to prophesy? The Spirit of the Lord. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 says, The prophecy did not come in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. There it is on the screen for you. Men were moved by the Spirit of God to write the Scriptures. The prophecy of Joel points to the recording and the completion of the Holy Scriptures. And I say again, the New Testament is comprised of the visions of young men, the dreams of old men, and the prophecy of the future and end of all things. And I believe these disciples, these apostles, I believe they are the young men that had visions and the old men that had dreams, and they are the ones that gave the prophecy of the last days and the, the way things are going to turn out. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, Paul, and the others, those are the people that God used to fulfill Joel chapter 2 verse 28. And you and I are part of that because he has poured out his flesh, uh, poured out his spirit rather, upon all flesh. Not just the Jews, but also upon the Gentiles as well. Now let me see if I can sum this up quickly. In Numbers chapter 12, and we won't go over there and look at that, in Numbers chapter 12, when the leadership of Moses was disputed by Aaron and Miriam, the Lord made clear that direct communication is superior to visions and dreams. And he said, I'm going to speak directly to my servant Moses. I'm not going to speak to him through a vision or a dream. Now, how does the Lord speak to us today? He speaks directly to us through the spirit of the living word from the written word. Jesus is the living word, and this is the written word. Okay? And so he speaks to us today through Christ by the written word. He speaks to us through the living word, Christ, by the written word. 
the Bible. He made that clear in Numbers chapter 12. Now, I, I quoted these last week, but let's turn to the book of Hebrews just a moment. I learned earlier this morning that Charlie told me that his wife, Betty, years ago, had in her mind, whether it was a dream or a vision, read the book of Hebrews, read the book of Hebrews, read the book of Hebrews. I don't know if you've ever read much about, we call him Augustine, this is Augustine. He was a philosopher. And he, he, had a, he heard a voice of a child. He was questioning things. He didn't know whether the Bible was true and all that. And he, he, he heard a voice, at least in his mind, says, pick up and read, pick up and read, pick up and read. And he started reading the Scripture and became one of the greatest theologians and philosophers that history has ever known. We're still talking about him today. In Hebrews... Hebrews chapter 1, remember Joel said it shall come to pass in the last days. Last days. Hebrews chapter 1. God, who at sundry, that's different, different times, and in divers manners, in various manners, spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, he has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom he also made the worlds, who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So he says here that in time past, God spoke by the prophets. But in these last days, verse 2, that's what Joel said, in the last days, he's spoken to us by his son. And this won't mean a lot to all of you, but the, the, the tense here in, in uh, verse 2 is the aorist tense, and it shows a finality. That this is the final way God's going to speak to people. He's going to speak to them through His Son. Through His Son. He doesn't speak to us through these other gods that are all over the planet now and that are coming in to the United States. He speaks to us through His Son. Through His Son. The Bible warned in Deuteronomy chapter 13 of false dreamers and false prophets who claimed to have had a vision. And it says way back there that they're to be tested by the Word of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 12 and 13, they're to be tested by the Word of God. The New Testament writer of 14 books, if you believe he wrote the book of Hebrews, the Apostle Paul, he said... A curse beyond anyone that preaches any other gospel than what he preached and the other apostles. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. He said, Even if an angel from heaven appears in your room tonight, you wake up in the middle of the night and there's an angel sitting over there, 
and he starts telling you about a new revelation that he's got from God, he said, you better curse him. He said, you better not receive it. Because if, even if an angel from heaven preach any other gospel than what we've preached, let him be cursed. Jeremiah the prophet in Jeremiah chapter 23, he warns of dreamers and emphatically insists that the word of God is superior to a dream. This is what he said, the prophet that has a dream, let him tell that dream. And he that has my word, let him speak my word faithfully, what is chaff to the wheat. Jeremiah 23 and verse 28. Jeremiah says, these false prophets will come saying, I've dreamed and God spoke to me. And this is what the Lord says. And we've had a ton of them in our generation. A ton of them. I remember one man years ago, he was everywhere. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, I think he got sick. I can't remember. But he was a person that uh, believed he could lay hands on you and you'd be healed and all of that. He got sick himself. And you know what, you know what he said he got sick of? He's, he claimed that he prayed over every letter that people sent him. And he said, it, he, said he placed his hands on the pile of these letters and he got some kind of poison through his flesh from all the ink that was on those letters. I think I could have come up with a better lie than that. What a lie. You've got these people, you've got a, a famous, a famous uh, fellow that I used to watch when I was a kid on black and white television when the television screen was about that big. And my mother would sit and watch, and she would watch Oral Roberts, and she'd sit there and cry, and tears running down her eyes, while Oral Roberts would have all these people coming in his tent, and he would put his hands on them, heal, heal, and they'd claim they could walk, and they'd claim they were healed. Oral Roberts went to a hospital and had heart surgery, brothers and sisters, when he had heart trouble. You know what they claimed? All the people that followed him, they said, well, God just gave him that uh, ability to heal for a certain point of his life. Let me tell you something. You cannot go wrong believing the Word. If they don't speak according to this Word, it's because there is no truth in them. That's what the Scripture says. Because there is no truth in them. Everybody today has got a dream. Everybody's got a Word from God. When somebody comes to me and says, Brother Sasser, the Lord gave me a Word for you, I say, why hadn't He talked to me about it? Why hadn't he given me a word? Well, what shall we say to these things? What shall we say? Most of the time, false prophets, their message and their manner and their method causes people to be caught up with them and not with the Lord. You hear me? With them and not with the Lord. And so people think, this, this guy is special, i got to go hear him, or this woman is special, i got to go hear her. No, if you're caught up, if, you, if they're telling you the truth, they're going to be pointing you to Christ. They're going to be nothing and nobody from nowhere, and Christ is going to be everything. Now, that's the truth. That's the truth. I remember hearing an old story. I've shared this with you before about a couple that went to hear a famous preacher, and when they came out of the service, his wife turned to him and said, what did you think? And he said, what a preacher. What a preacher. I've never heard anything like him. 
A few weeks later, they went to hear Charles Spurgeon. And when they came out of that, his wife said, what did you think? He said, what a Savior. What a Savior. Spurgeon didn't point people to himself. He pointed people to Christ. And he preached to thousands. But he said, I'm nothing and nobody from nowhere, and he's everything. Look unto him. Don't look to me. Don't look to the preacher. Don't look to the pastor. Don't look to the elder. Don't look to any person that claims special gifts. Look to Christ. Most false prophets are enamored with themselves, and it usually rubs off on those who hear them. And they draw people away from Christ. The Lord said through Moses, I'll have to close with these observations. The Lord said this through Moses. I'm going to read it for you. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 18 and 19. It might be on the board. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren. There it is on the board. Like unto thee. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. We all believe that this refers to the Messiah, to the Christ, to the Lord Jesus. I believe, as we said uh, a moment ago from Hebrews chapter 1, I believe that God the Father now speaks exclusively through His Son. He has in these last days, there it is on the board, He has in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. Everything that comes from God now comes through Christ, the living Word, and it can be substantiated by the written Word. Let me tell you what we need today. We don't need foretellers. We don't need people who are t- trying to tell you that they know what the, the future is going to bring. We need foretellers, people who tell forth the truth, who tell forth the gospel, who tell about the Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul was saying his goodbyes to the elders of the church of Ephesus, this is what he said. He said, I kept back nothing that was profitable to you, but I have showed you, I have taught you publicly from house to house, I have testified both to the Jews and to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, last passage, this is the last passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. See if you can find this one. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We must be careful that we don't handle the Word of God deceitfully. Now let me ask you this question. Why would a person handle the Word of God deceitfully? There are only a couple of answers to that. The big answer is this. They want to slip around things that they don't think will be popular with people and just talk to the people about things they want to hear. Doesn't Paul say in Timothy, in the last days people will have itching ears and they will, in other words, hey, I got a little itch here. How about scratching it for me? 
I just want to hear good things. Don't talk to me about being a sinner. Don't talk to me about judgment and hell and damnation. Don't talk to me about eternal woe. Don't talk to me about the judgment of God because of His law. I don't want to hear that. I want you to tell me how God's going to bless me. I want you to tell me how I'm going to prosper. I want you to tell me how I'm going to live to be 145. That's what I want you to tell me. And that's what we have. We have a world full of those people. Even people who are not Pentecostal, not charismatic. They are zeroing around things because they know people don't want to hear them and it won't be popular with them and they might lose their job pastoring the church. Because the pastors today are just CEOs of companies. They can fire them anytime they want to. All right. Unless you want to be here at 1 o'clock, we got to finish this. 2 Corinthians Chapter 4, Ralph Barnard, who was an evangelist. <laughs> Russ likes Ralph, and I do too. I hadn't heard him in a while. Probably need to go back and listen to him. Barnard said, I was preaching a, me- a meeting in a church, and he said, I didn't realize that the church was run by seven deacons. He said the deacons ran the church. He said the pastor in that church was just like a puppet. They pulled his strings and pulled, told him what to do. He had no say-so whatsoever in the church. And he said, I didn't realize that. And he said, when I got up to preach, got up and opened the Scripture, he said, I had already read the passage that I was going to preach from. All of a sudden, he said, about halfway back on the side, he said, a door opened, and here come these seven deacons walking out in a line, walking down the middle aisle, and sitting on the first pew. And Barnard, you, you have to know Ralph Barnard. <laughs> he said when they opened the door and came across, he said, well, here they come. Seven blind men that haven't had a prayer answered in 14 years. Oh, he said it made him mad. He said that the, the guy that was the head deacon, he got real mad at me. And he said, after the service, he said, he was waiting on me. And he came up and he said, Mr. Barnard, I didn't like what you said in there. And Brother Barnard said, well, I'll forgive you if you'll apologize. <laughs> I'll forgive you if you'll apologize. My dear friends, we have to teach all of God's Word. I don't believe it's possible to appreciate the good news until you've heard the bad news, personally. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Seeing we have this ministry, we have received mercy, we faint not. We have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. We're not going to walk in craftiness We're not going to handle the Word of God deceitfully. We're not going to skirt around certain things because people don't want to hear them. But by manifestation of the truth, that's what we need, the truth. Commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom... The God of this world, that's the devil, Satan, has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we do not preach ourselves, 
but Christ Jesus the Lord. You see what I say? When you handle the Word of God deceitfully, dishonestly, what you're doing is you're preaching yourself. You're making people become enamored with you. And he says, no, we don't preach ourselves. Verse 5, we preach Christ Jesus as the Lord and ourselves your servants. That's all we are for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So he said, if the gospel is hidden, it's not because we've handled the Word of God deceitfully and skirted around things. It didn't say what needed to be said because we knew people didn't want to hear them and because they'd be unpopular. No. He said, we've manifested the truth to every man's conscience. And he said, what happens is God has to say, let there be light in the sinner's heart, just like he said, let there be light in the beginning of the creation. And when God gives you some light, you can never go back to where you were. You might slip and slide, but you can't go back to where you were because you've been made a new creature in Christ Jesus. The Word of God is the only means of the Spirit searching the heart and the mind of lost souls. The Word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any double-edged sword two-edged sword, able to pierce all the way through to where the spirit and the soul meet, to where the joints and the marrow come together, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, Hebrews 4 and verse 12. Finally, I'll leave you with a word from John in Revelation 22 about the finality of God's revealing Himself through the Word. John says this, and I personally believe this applies to the book of Revelation, and I think it applies also to the finished revelation of God, which is the New Testament. Here's what he says. Revelation chapter 22, verse 18. I testify unto every man that hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things that which are written in this book. My dear friends, all your dreams and all your visions can be substantiated by the Word of God if they're from the same God whose Spirit inspired the Word. You understand what I'm saying? You can, you, can, you can support what God is saying to you in a vision and dream by this Word. <clears throat> if you can't do that, then I wouldn't pay any attention to the dream or the vision that you've had. May the Lord add His blessings to the teaching of His Word. Let's stand together. Thank you for your attention this morning. I pray that whatever was not clear has been made clear to you. And above all, I want to say, keep in mind those people over there in Afghanistan that are trying to get out of that country now. And many of them probably are not going to be able to get out. We have chaos over there, and we're beginning to see chaos here. 
Now, the Bible says this. I'll, I'll let you look it up and find out where it is. I'll give you a hint. It's in one of the Corinthian epistles. <laughs> and here's what he says. He says, God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. Where there's confusion, you can be sure God's not the author of it. Any kind of confusion, he's not the author of it. Don't let God... Don't let the, uh, the God of this world, as we just read about in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, don't let the God of this world confuse you with these mixed messages. You keep your eyes on the Word of God, the written Word of God, which reveals the living Word of God. And you let that be in your heart and in your mind. May the Lord help you to do that. Thank you for your patience this morning, and I pray that you'll think about these things and that uh, they'll prove to be true and blessed of the Lord as we look forward to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us sing now, okay? Under the blood of Jesus, safe in the shepherd's fold. Under the blood of Jesus, I'm safe while the ages roll. I'm safe though the world may May the eternal God, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, we ask it for his sake. Amen.